I feel like I am walking around bewildered. I don't know if I have a right to identify with biblical characters, especially without careful textual analysis. But I feel like Avram and Sarai walking around in Egypt, just unsure if there is any common frame of moral reference. When the king of Egypt turns out to be moral and actually voices to Avram, why are you putting me in danger when I am innocent? Which is parallel to exactly the conversation Avram has with God over destroying Saddam. Why would you destroy? Why are you assuming everyone in Saddam is guilty? Avram just replies, well, I thought surely there is no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. Am I allowed to identify? We're not all against you. We're not, we're not all anti-Semitic. We don't all consider all Jews the reason for their own suffering. Am I allowed to say, is it okay that I wasn't, I'm not sure if there's a fear of God in this place, if there's a common moral reference? Am I allowed to say that I feel that some of that walking around in the world today we are the ones who, like Abraham, gather here in the synagogue and in our social action committees, in our religious schools, and around our holiday and Shabbat tables, and we voice our humanity of each and every individual. And we argue that there is God in all places. And we walk into neighborhoods and group settings and college campuses with the outlook that we are safe and that we're going to bring that message and then I look at graffiti on Jewish preschools in this country, wishing our children dead. I don't know if I can have anger anymore. I don't know if I still have the anger at the strangely ignorant accusations against Israel of genocide, despite exponential growth of the Palestinian refugee population. Gaza is occupied, despite the fact that we stopped occupying it decades ago. That peacemaking activist teenagers are deserving of rape and massacre because they are settler colonialists, even if they are living in areas designated for Jews and Palestinian demands, tearing up of pictures of hostages, despite the fact that I hope I can't imagine a Jew outside some of those in the West Bank that Netanyahu is allowed to operate with impunity, tearing up photos of Palestinian victims. All right. The Jews are to blame for the starvation of Palestinians because of their inhumanity, despite the fact that Hamas has four to five months of st of stocks of food and water and fuel that they are not sharing? Or the accusations that Hamas speaks for the Palestinian people, despite the fact that approximately 65% of the residents of Gaza in a survey before the attack of October 7 said that they wish Hamas to take no violent action against Israel in any way. Hamas numbers approximately four, the members of Hamas number between 40 and 50,000, despite the millions of the Palestinian people. And so the fact, especially in America, the people just assume Hamas speaks for the Palestinian people. When an imam who spoke not publicly, which I understand, said that why do people assume that Hamas speaks for us? So I, I walk around bewildered that I'm not seeing this around me. And then I, like Avraham, even though I'm the one who brings the message of the humanity of everyone, walking into neighborhoods and schools and offices and campuses in our country, 
And we wonder now, is this a place like Dara Horn prophesied, where dead Jews from the past are wept over, but live Jews are an inconvenience, a problem, a Judenfrage? I want to be Avraham, who in chapter 17 had a conversation with God, in which God tells him that Ishmael will become a great nation and a ruler of many chiefs and will prosper, and that Isaac will too become a great nation nation through the covenantal line established between God and Avraham. And I want to know, as Avraham did, that in the future, all of this will work out, that there is room for everyone to prosper. And Avraham did not need to be told how and why. Is it a two-stage solution? Is it something else? We spend a lot of our time in Judaism asking why we cannot be Moshe, why we cannot be the one to experience God as directly as possible, why we cannot at least know we're receiving God's communications, that we are being listened to as Moshe was listened to, that the intimation we caught was actually God's back. But at times like this, I realize all along, I shouldn't have been praying to be like Moshe. I should have been praying, wishing to be like Avraham instead. Where Avraham's gift from God was not the experience of God, nor the experience of being listened to. God's gift to Avraham was a faith that the future would all work out. And there was goodness in store for everyone. I'm not the only one who cannot, who seems to be lacking faith in the future for our peoples. In the parasha, Sarah said to Avraham, cast out that slave woman and her son, for the son of that slave shall not share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. Sarah doesn't see the future. Avraham then talks to God and is fully reassured of their many original promises from five chapters ago. That both children will be great nations despite present upheaval. But Sarah doesn't know that, and he doesn't tell her. Just like he doesn't tell her that God has already promised that Isaac will not die when he disappears one morning with all the sacrificial setup and no sacrificial animal in sight except for the firstborn of her womb. So when God says, so when it, but God said to Abraham, do not be distressed over the boy or your slave, whatever Sarah tells you, do as she says, he doesn't share that with Sarah. And God repeats those promises from 17 as for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him too, for he is your seed. And he doesn't tell Hagar, who ends up in the wilderness overwrought that her faith, fate is to watch her child die. Which hits too close to home as we watch the mothers of Israelis and the mothers of Gaza unable to think of anything else. And I want to scream at the text. If there is a truth, why can't the Torah just let everyone see it? Why are some people prevented from seeing it? Why doesn't Abraham tell anyone? Why allow the dramas that bind together the various narratives of Vayera to unfold as they do? In each case, the different characters don't have access to the truth. And so each character is having a different experience of the same situation. And this is not simply perspectivalism. This is not just, there are two narratives. Let's understand the dual narratives. The same events have two different perspectives. We're beyond that now. There are still two valid narratives. Don't get me wrong. But we're at a time where there's not even agreement on the basic things of which there can be two narratives about. 
this is not simply that even with access to the truth, they would still be entitled to their feelings. No, if Sarah knew that Isaac wouldn't die, it might not have been a Nakba for her when it was a success for Avraham. What characterizes this period in our lives, it seems to me, is like that of the parasha. We are sharing our story. We're in the same story of our workplaces, our countries, our extended families, with people who are having an utterly different experience of the same events. A nephew, a grandchild, a prized student, with whom we normally share a common frame of reference, if not common views, is having an experience of watching a colonialist oppressor state committing genocide against a brown indigenous people of color class, as if the Israelis are an American Confederate cavalry massacring Native American communities. A coworker, a mentor, a colleague, a child can be saying that the fault of the massacre of the Jews is their own. We can see statements from those who are trying to bring people together that erase the hostages and Jewish deaths from their statements. Our very networks, our very kinship systems are being remade, right? How am I an uncle to this niece who is not having the same experience and has no common frame of reference as I do? How do I have experience with a colleague with a mentor, and it's deeply unsettling as it is in the parasha. And there's no happy ending in the parasha. There is a happy ending in the future. That's the one that Abraham sees. But of course, we're going to begin next week with Sarah's death cry that the rabbis attribute to the fact that he never filled her in on what was going on. And Hagar, of course, we have in this parasha saying, I just guess that my fate is to look upon my child dying. Maybe our networks, the people, this was my group, my group network, or this is my group on my social media. This is my family that we were just at a funeral with to, to bury someone we love. And we no longer share the same experience of this situation. Maybe we can look outside it to remake that group. Okay, maybe from now on, I'm just uncle this. I'm not going to be uncle in the same way. I guess I'll have to be uncle in a diminished way. The truth is, there are probably more people that I have been discounting who share a common frame of reference. And all I mean by that common frame of reference, because I imagine some of you might be thinking, is he talking about like the Netanyahu narrative, the Zionist narrative? I'm talking about the fact that anti-Semitism is real. I'm talking about ripping up pictures of children, teenagers, and old people is a moral relativism masquerading as moral absolutes. I'm talking about, I don't have all of the truth, but I'm not going to make my truth a set of lies. And when I look around, and this happened to me yesterday with someone from U of M I was talking to, they said, you know what? We're trying to hold all the people who are, let's say, in the pro-Palestinian narrative. We're trying to hold the people who are in the Zionist narrative. Okay, let's just call it that. But the truth is, we're forgetting about a whole lot of kids at U of M. Is it okay if I call kids people who are 25-year-old graduate students who are neither? And they're, they feel unsafe and they feel uncomfortable because they're not morally relativistic. They see anti-Semitism around them and they feel insecure 
in their own place because they don't, they're uncomfortable. They feel unsafe just because it doesn't feel good. I mean, in some ways, Vieira is like, this doesn't feel good. I'm sorry you turned out to be a good guy. But when I entered this place, I had no reason to think this felt good at all, right? I, I don't want to call them allies because it makes it sound like they're joining our side in a war. I'm just saying as we remake our systems, I'm determined to reach out to a lot of people in those very places who may have a lot more in common, even if they're not Jewish, even if they don't know a lot of the conflict, and they're not speaking up because they don't feel safe to speak up, but they're willing to say, I don't really, really know, but I don't feel what I'm seeing around me is right. There was a young woman, I think it was Harvard, but I'm not sure, who started a hotline just at her university. It was for like non-Jews and non-Palestinians, non-Muslims to just call if they want facts about the situation. And she was really, really careful to curate things like, well, what's the solution? And they're like, well, here are resources that present a lot of options for solutions that have been offered. We're not going to say it's definitely the J Street solution or the Rob Nadav solution. But they were very concerned about offering direction to sources that were unbiased. And she does it with Muslims and she does it with Catholics and she does it with atheists. And now it's growing from university to university and it's spreading across the country. We may be remaking our kinship systems, our support networks with people we've not been looking to, to be part of them. We're looking for people who are willing to operate within a realm of moral sanity. And like Abraham, I have the faith. I want to grow into the faith. I think I have good reason for it. But a lot more of us are morally sane. And we maybe need to build our networks through them. And I still have the faith. I really do that there is good in store for both the Jewish people and the Palestinian people. Shabbat Shalom.